0: The Aave compound model works really well for certain class of assets. There is a need for uh, secure lending borrowing markets for assets, let's say, outside the top 20, 30, which most of the lending borrowing markets cater to today. I think our idea was that, okay, there is an opportunity. looks like a tough problem. Most people have told us it's impossible. Uh, So like that gives us even more motivation. Okay. There is probably something if so many people think it's not possible, maybe there is uh, there is an opportunity to bring in something truly unique. So I think, yeah, we have been at it for a while now. All opinions expressed by hosts and
1: podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of fourth revolution capital podcast guests and 4RC may have positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Welcome to The Edge Podcast. I'm DeFi Dad from Fourth Revolution Capital, and I'm here with my friend and co-host from 4RC Nomadic. In this episode, we'll cover TimeSwap, a newer protocol which enables isolated lending borrowing pools over fixed timeframes. Similar to how Uniswap enabled the permissionless launch of trading pools, TimeSwap is aiming to make possible the permissionless creation of fully decentralized lending borrowing markets without any intervention. We'll review how TimeSwap compares to other money markets like Aave and how the absence of oracles or liquidations fosters a unique dynamic between DeFi lenders and borrowers. But before we do, just a quick word from our sponsors who make The Edge podcast possible. Whether you're a trader, farmer, analyst or newbie, you can trade smart with KyberSwap, the OG decentralized exchange and aggregator on 13 chains, swap at the best rates, farm with real yields, set limit orders, use their proprietary trading and AI tools with the best UX and DeFi securely and permissionlessly. Get better rates, better opportunities, better alpha, and a better trading experience. Trade smart now at kyberswap.com. Welcome to Mantle Network Mainnet,
2: Mantle Network, the flagship product of Mantle Ecosystem, is a high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 network that brings scalability, security, and affordability to the forefront under a modular design. We're constantly growing and expanding. Since the launch of Testnet, Mantle Network has enabled a significant gas fee reduction for L2 transactions by up to 70% by adopting EigenDA technology. We also seamlessly integrated fraud proofs and concluded external audits on the codebase. Together with its extensive ecosystem partners and hundreds of thousands of builders and community members, Mantle, powered by its native token MNT, is committed to enabling the mass adoption of decentralized and token-governed technologies. You can now explore a multitude of projects already deployed on Mantle Network, from gaming to DeFi and beyond. Call in Web3 entrepreneurs to accelerate their project growth with the Mantle Grants Program. The time is now. Join us to be part of the decentralized revolution.
3: Hey everyone, my name is Kaido. I'm a co-founder at Utopia Labs and today we're really really excited to
0: be announcing and launching a feature called USDC Bank Transfers. We're basically allowing for any company based anywhere in the world to be able to send USDC to any US bank account, whether that US bank account is a US citizen or a person who might have something as simple as a WISE account. If we zoom out, since a year ago there's been a chokehold on kind of the interoperability and seamlessness between traditional rails and crypto rails. We put a lot of time and effort into this to be able to provide a smooth end experience for you as a consumer or as a company using crypto and using traditional financial world
2: It all started so simply with CryptoKitties and Maker on Ethereum, but quickly became complex with more applications and many chains. Today, everyone agrees UX issues are the biggest blocker standing in the way of crypto adoption. Introducing Avocado. Multi-chain UX redesigned from the ground up. The first wallet to abstract networks, accounts and gas. One gas tank to pay transaction fees on all chains in USDC. And native access to Instadap's powerful custom DeFi strategies. Avocado, one wallet to rule all chains.
1: In just a moment, we'll introduce Amit, the co-founder of Timeswap. He is a seasoned professional with roots in traditional finance. He previously spearheaded product and technology at Origin, one of the world's largest investment banking platforms. Before that, he was a corporate banker at one of India's top private banks. After immersing himself in the crypto realm for over three years, he co-founded Timeswap, bringing his full-stack finance experience to the table. So let's kick it off. Amit, welcome to The Edge Podcast. How are you doing?
0: Thanks so much. Thanks. Uh, if I I'm doing really, really well coming back from the ECC conference. So it's been a pretty hectic couple of weeks, but great to great to chat with you guys. And uh, yeah, thank you for having us. It's kind of feels nostalgic because, uh, I mean, like you mentioned in my intro, that I'm a DeFi DJ. And so I think uh, doing the DeFi summer, like your videos are something that I used to benchmark and learn about DeFi. So it feels uh, kind of uh, pretty insane, like uh, I'm here three years later. So yeah, great to be here.
1: Before we talk more about uh, the underlying value of TimeSwap, uh, which really focuses on a use case that uh, Nomadic and I have spent a lot of time on, I would dumb it down to it's fixed-term lending and borrowing, but they are isolated pools, and there's a lot more here to the fact that you don't have an oracle involved and other sorts of benefits like that. Uh, but before we kind of dive deeper into Time Swap. Uh Amit anything else you'd like to share about your background maybe like what what ultimately you know moved the needle for you to commit working full time in the crypto space
0: Yeah I think uh I think that's a great great question I think uh for me the first uh experience with crypto essentially came like 2017 18 there was it's something of a personal story where there was a uh, some emergency where my brother was in US and he needed some money urgently and uh the bank said they need three days to send the money to him and i remember like uh buying some i think eighth it was and sending it to his coinbase account that he could withdraw the same day so that's my first real experience with crypto as a technology and then i started like uh, researching into it and i realized okay this is really fundamentally probably going to change the industry that i was working with back then, which is uh finance itself so i started delving deep into it mostly spent 2018-19 uh like just following the uh the market things not really actively focusing but i think it was around late 2019 we had a lot of a lot of interest around open finance when we used to call uh synthetics and ethland and all the protocols were coming out and then obviously the the covid lockdown happened and all of us are at home nothing better to do and we are just aping into everything during DeFi summer so yeah i think uh it was during DeFi summer that i could really see that this uh Possibly, DeFi is one of the breakout applications for blockchain itself. So, I mean, it is very evident with how uh, organically things are moving without any sort of external stimuli. So, I it was kind of probably first time after a very long time, I felt really excited about something every day, picking up to trying new stuff. So, I thought, okay, maybe I want to do this full time. And that's essentially how like I decided to quit my fintech stuff and get into this like uh, right after the DeFi summer. Let's get into time swap. Maybe tell us what it is at a
3: high level and what problem it solves for, and then break down the innovation of an oracle non-liquidation protocol. That's that's a mouthful.
0: Uh, so essentially, TimeSwap is a fully decentralized lending and borrowing protocol. Uh, I will break that down into like what that essentially means. So when we say fully decentralized, what we mean is fully decentralized like Uniswap, where essentially... Once the Uniswap team has deployed the the contracts, the team has really no control over it. It just functions perpetually on its own. Anybody can create a market. Anybody can trade against it. Uh, Like you can create all kinds of interesting things on top of it. But it is completely independent of the Uniswap team. So we defined that as a fully decentralized solution. Uh, But when we looked at the money markets, we realized that uh, it is decentralized to some extent. Uh, where there is still some reliance on, let's say, a DAO or a certain set of individuals to decide the risk parameters for each tool. Uh, It essentially prevents, or let's say, it essentially uh, stops you from scaling quickly, where there is a friction of, let's say, okay, you need to go through a process, uh, no surety, if it's going to get listed, you have to then figure out which Oracle to use. Oracles are not free. Uh, So we realized, okay, there is an opportunity to build a very generalized AMM, that has all the properties of Insop, but it caters to lending and borrowing. So that was essentially how the protocol came to let's say its initial vision. Uh, Our first AMM that we designed in 2021 was an XYZ equals to K a three variable AMM that enables you to do lending and borrowing uh, permissionlessly. Uh, We realized this design still had some inefficiencies so we worked on a, a better design architecture sometime in early 2022. And that is currently live across Polygon Arbitrum Mantle and zkEVM This three-variable AM is essentially x plus y into z equals to k. Uh, I'm not going to get deep into how it works, but the basic idea is that it allows you to create money markets or let's say lending borrowing markets for any pair of assets with a fixed duration. Where when you create the pool, you can set the initial parameters. So, for example, when you create a unique sub pool, right? Uh, the reserves of two assets determines the exchange rate. Here again, the reserves. There is a formula that calculates what is the interest rate and collateral factor. Uh, you initialize the pool with their values, and after that, any lending or borrowing transaction changes these interest rate and collateral factor to a small extent. So uh, it's fully permissionless. Anybody can create a market. Uh, it's I mean whatever mental models that you use for Uniswap it applies to TimeSolk, i.e. it is uh, fully decentralized oracle uh It works on a market-driven model instead of relying on individuals. So it's a, it's a very generalized design. Now obviously generalized designs have their own uh, let's say caveats. One of that is obviously it is probably not going to be as efficient as uh, more centralized operations because typically there is a cost of decentralization. So uh, the current version of time i would classify it as more like a unisob v2 i there is a working product which does exactly what it's meant to do but the capital efficiency can increase which is uh probably the next version of time similar to uni v3 where we could have concentrated liquidity in our pool so overall i would say it is a fixed maturity lending borrowing protocol where uh you get non-liquidatable loans and it is completely oracle means that uh, we don't suffer from any Oracle manipulation hacks Which we keep hearing Almost on a regular basis these days So is that Okay, we need There is a need for uh, Secure lending borrowing markets For assets Let's say outside the top 20, 30 Which most of the lending borrowing markets Cater to today There is a vast set of Communities, economies That possibly could find value With having a credit market That complements the Let's say the equity markets of, let's say Uniswap.
1: I want to uh, put into context when you look at the way centralized exchanges worked in crypto back in, like, let's say 2018 and before. So this would be before Uniswap. We were so dependent upon those centralized exchanges, which you know were controlled by very few. But that that was the way things went, and then. We saw this innovation of Uniswap where it it wasn't suddenly just that you could trade, you know, using like something that was smart contract powered. I mean, it was like totally frictionless. It it meant that anybody could launch a pool at any time. It, It really was just one person brave enough to seed a pool, which comes with its downside. Sometimes you get scammers that create these like ridiculous pools. The the misunderstanding for many is that everything in DeFi is as pure as what Uniswap enabled. And that's just not true. Like I, I love what maker stands for in and Ave and, and other sorts of money markets like that, like like an Ave. But what actually happened there is the needle only moved halfway. We moved the the decision making around which markets to support from centralized exchanges to uh, uh, the few who had the governance voting power on these like major money markets, which by the way has to do with risk. And in, in most cases it's, you know, we can't just enable any, any sort of collateral or debt without considering if that could compromise the, the greater system there that is like an ave. So anyways, what's really remarkable for, for me having dug into time swap and watched you guys, you know, launch just, in the past year or so, I think it, it's been that idea that in the next few years, it could become a norm that we have these isolated lending and borrowing pools where anybody can ultimately create that lending borrowing pool with all the sort of fixed parameters that you mentioned there. So it, it's, it's being the uni swap of lending
0: and borrowing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, uh, the, our way compound model it works really well for certain class of assets and it's very important that it works really well for that market. I think our idea was that okay, there is an opportunity. It looks like a tough problem. Most people have told us it's impossible. Uh so like that gives us even more motivation. Okay, there is probably something if so many people think it's not possible, maybe there is uh there is an opportunity building, something truly unique. So I think, yeah, we we've been at it for a while now. I Amit, mean, I wanna key in a bit on
3: uh, something you were talking about earlier. What what are some of the downsides to using oracles? Like, why is there a need to create a protocol without reliance on these external price feeds?
0: Yeah, I think uh, there are a few uh, aspects to it. I think the first is obviously the manipulation. I think, uh, I think even just last week, I think we had two incidents where some oracle was manipulated. So I think it's become so recurring that Like somebody has to figure out a way to uh, allow people to give exposure to this class of assets because it's very clear there is demand because every time you create a fork of let's say one of these uh, uh, protocols that cater to long assets the liquidity still comes it again gets run through some Oracle manipulation and we do the cycle over and over again so there is clearly demand for this so I think for us it was okay figuring out how to create the design so yeah I think Oracle is uh, oracle manipulation is first i think second is uh the cost of an oracle is not cheap i think a lot of people don't realize how costly it is to get an oracle price feed from Chainlink or others i think uh they provide value for certain assets who have a large enough market where you can actually manage that cost but maybe for a small community small project government cap project probably the cost is probably not worth it and it also requires I mean obviously Chainlink is not going to support every uh, asset out there they also have certain like liquidity standards right so I think predominantly it's a function of okay projects uh, wanting a secure money market which is not possible with Oracle so you ideally want not to have any external reliance when you have an external reliance you are essentially uh, putting some of your faith in external liquidity that it will truly reflect the price whereas What we realized is that the best oracle is the users who trade against the pool instead of using a price feed. Let users themselves become the oracle, which is essentially what happens on Uniswap, right? Like when users trade, they are bringing that information and they're expressing that price information via the trade itself. Very similar here, where lenders and borrowers are expressing their views on the price by doing the transaction. So that's like the most secure mode of, let's say, doing. Uh, let's say any sort of transaction without relying on a feed so yeah I i hope that answers your question but yeah predominantly it's to get rid of the hacks the costs that's associated with running an oracle or getting a price feed and also the the time lag of actually getting these things set up it is not as easy as people think there is a lot of things that goes in the background of actually setting up a robust oracle price feed I, you just said something, and I'm and I'm very curious. Do you, like, what is the
3: rough cost of an Oracle price feed? I I actually have no idea or benchmark for that. And and even if
0: you just want to give me a range, um... yeah, I I could be wrong, but like the numbers I last heard uh, about a year or two was six figures. So I think uh, six figures for the best Oracles, maybe uh, like probably the top tier. But I think it varies for sure. But I think I don't think it's trivial. I don't think the number is trivial. I think that I'm quite sure.
1: Amith, uh, why don't we start to talk through uh, the application? So when you go to Timeswap.io or app.timeswap.io, there are different markets available, and so these are isolated lending and borrowing markets. And I think one of the one of those that really stands out here is there's an opportunity to borrow USDC against ARB, uh, ARP, the token on um arbitram the l2 network and so i can see here the maturity dates uh it shows me that these expire on august 15th 2023 so these markets will only be open until then uh and there are a few different options here like there's a cdp with 130 percent um over collateralization versus 149 over collateralization um as as a lender what are some of the things here that we're considering i'm lending usdc to folks who are putting up arb as a collateral and i run the risk here right that they might not pay back that debt if Absolutely. Well, i'll let you talk through this to the transition price
0: yeah so uh what you're referring to is obviously the pool expiring on 15th august where uh the liquidity if you look at in the app shows about ninety four thousand 000 usdc and the apr is four point something cdp is 130 and transition price is 0. 0.9 so what is this transition price useful for it essentially allows us to calculate the current collateralization for a transaction so you see cdp currently is about 130 percent here and the current market price of arbitram is roughly about I think 1.17 or 1.16 so that roughly trans- translates to about 130 percent over nine. now what this essentially means as a lender is that uh, if i lend into the pool currently there is about 130 percent worth dollar equivalent worth of arbitram token that is collateralization collateralizing my lend position so if i lend 100 dollars into the pool it essentially means about $130 worth of ARP token is currently locked against my lent position. I.e., uh, if the price of, let's say, uh, Arbitrum starts falling down, let's say from 1.16 till the price of the transition, 0.9, you would expect the borrowers to repay the full amount. So essentially, you will get the 100 USDC plus the interest of 4.28% uh, fixed for let's say that particular duration now what happens if the price falls below 0.9 at that point you will get the exact equivalent amount of Arbitrum token logged in at the price of 0.9 so let's say you uh, deposited 100 usdc and the transition price is 0.9 essentially what is happening here is you're converting that 100 usdc into let's say 180 nine or hundred and ten arbitrum tokens because the transition price is 0.9. So you could roughly say uh the transition price is similar to an strike price in an option where you have put up this USTC as collateral and you are saying if the price falls below I am willing to take this collateral in my position. So it's like a you could say it's like a cash secured put where we have the USTC as the underlying and you're saying okay I am I'm happy to take this uh, like Arbitrum token at point nine dollars for this hundred dollars I'm depositing.
1: If I'm used to using Maker or Aave, I know that if if the value of my collateral continues to fall, I'm I'm just going to get liquidated at some point. Whereas here, there's like a totally different dynamic that plays out where I'm not going to get liquidated, and there's a chance that I might not just pay my debt back uh, if if my collateral actually falls below the value of what I borrowed.
0: I think the way to think about that is, is it's fundamentally non-liquidatable loan. So it enables you to unlock a different kind of use case, because one of the things we noticed was that in DeFi today, bulk of the lending borrowing markets, the borrowers are the active participants. The lenders are passive, the borrowers are active. I.e. you have to constantly manage your position you have to check your collateral factor you have to essentially be an active agent to manage your borrow position which I think works really well for the current set of audience who are probably uh, a lot of active traders but if you want to build a truly uh, global scale app type, right, you need uh, behaviors that users are mostly used to in let's say TradFi where you look at the same like the market in TradFi it's the Lending side who are more active and the borrowers are passive. Like a company who is borrowed money, they borrow for a fixed term, fixed rate. They go away, come back and pay. They don't want to do any of the other, management's in the middle rate. So what we saw was that okay, there is a there is a way in which user behavior itself could be changed using a non-liquidatable leverage where, <clears throat> sorry, borrowers can borrow any amount, uh, that as long as it they have enough collateral. And they don't have to worry about their position till the maturity. So you borrow some money today, take away that money and go and do whatever strategies you want to play for the duration of the pool and just come back on the day of the maturity and repay it if the value of collateral still is above, let's say the amount you borrowed. So it's a, it's a different use case, specifically targeting users who probably want more flexibility. They're happy to maybe lock more collateral, pay a higher interest rate for the peace of mind to, Sleep that knowing I won't get liquidated while I'm in my sleep.
1: And then there's there's just one more player here in the the design of time swap we haven't covered. Uh, what is an LP, and can you talk about like what will be possible in the future? Given that it looks like right now on the front end, we as users don't have access to that.
0: Yeah, um, the LP is very similar to the Uniswap LP, who essentially initializes the pool but also can add liquidity on top on Uniswap, the LP is essentially uh, like farming volatility right, they are farming the transaction fees, very similar case here you are essentially betting that this pair of assets or this pool will have enough uh, demand that you will earn sufficient transaction fees, Uh, the key difference between a lender and an LP is that the lender's returns are fixed so when you enter in the pool you see an APR, now that APR is fixed for you for the entire duration so like you have surety of how much you're going to earn in this period of time where as a LP you're taking the counter bet that I think this pool can have more volatility in the future there could be more lending more in transactions i.e. I could earn a higher yield than what's quoted by the the fixed yield of the lender so it's essentially two different players having similar risk let's say uh, profiles but the return profile is very different And yeah, uh, to answer your question right now, it's only uh, managed by our partners and the team. Uh, Our goal is that we want our users to first fully understand this lending and borrowing in isolation because it's a, like I mentioned, it's a very different uh, kind of a user behavior that we are unlocking compared to what users are used to today in DeFi. So you want people to be familiar with lending, borrowing, understand how this thing really works. And then in the future, we are going to enable, let's say, uh, adding liquidity, creating pools permissionlessly for anyone. So I would say that's like the end state. We are, I would say, on the way to there today. But yeah, we're all uh, being pretty excited with how things have panned out with the lending borrowing utility in the last few, few months. One one thing that stood out to me is some of the exotic collateral
3: types that you're allowing for on TimeSwap. Um, these are somewhat like niche, but very cool areas of DeFi, in my opinion. And these are like some protocols that I actually use and interact with. So I was, I was cool to see offerings on TimeSwap. So just to give a few examples, there's this GLP USDC pool, which is a delta minimized vault on Umami, which this, uh, this pool that you have on TimeSwap allows you to use that underlying position. So you, you can be in that Umami vault generating yield and then use that underlying position to come over to TimeSwap and borrow against that. Um, I think I think this these are really interesting to me and and some cool like kind of like extra ways you can utilize current positions on other protocols and still get more liquidity
0: from them on time swap. Oh no, I was just gonna say I think something very unique that we saw was with uh, Plutus ARP. So Plutus is obviously the governance aggregator on Arbitrum and Plutus uh immediately after the Arbitrum token going live, uh Plutus had launched the Plutus ARP contract where users could deposit the app token and get the Plutus app. Uh the team obviously had not set up the secondary liquidity at the time because they had certain vision for how the Plutus you know, R will be utilized in the future. So they uh mentioned to the community that right now they won't be in liquidity, but eventually in the future there's gonna be a liquidity secondary market. So what happened was as usual people maybe did not read the fine print that you can't exit after like for a while but people still aved into the pool and I think a lot of people had their liquidity there um, and they couldn't exit. So we worked with Plutus team to launch a pool where we could use the Plutus ARP token as collateral and borrow Arbitrum out or let's say borrow USTC out. So what this enabled was now here is a token that doesn't have secondary liquidity. It has some potential or let's not potential, it definitely has an underlying. You just don't know at what point in the future you could unlock that underlying ARB uh, out of it. So, people had a receipt token with no liquidity, but we enabled it as a collateral and people could access USTC against a token that did not have any secondary markets, no Oracle, no nothing. So, it was purely based on users' uh, willingness to lock that and borrow at that pricing that this pool performed exceptionally well. We have uh, run this now in three iterations over the last three months. And uh, probably one of the most in-demand pools, and very many times, right before the pool expires, we start getting messages in Discord, "Hey, when are you in the ranks? pool? We need the pool. We need the pool." So, which is obviously very interesting because it shows there is demand and value that people are finding with it. So, I think, uh, like you mentioned, like like because it's fully uh, decentralized and does need oracles, we can use any kind of assets. So, we have assets from Aura's four six two six volt. Uh, we have uh, assets from Unsheath, which is basically the LSD aggregator. We just launched one with uh, uh, Stuffy, the ARID, a couple of days back. Uh, we have an interesting pool with Pendle, like Pendle's principal tokens. So principal tokens in Pendle for the one year duration, you can unlock short-term liquidity if there is a need for you. So that is also live. There is a, there is a pool with Trader Joe. So Trader Joe had this interesting vault which does auto rebalancing liquidity manager so that vault has a specific special token we have enabled that also so uh, in the current phase we are essentially targeting any kind of erc20 slash 4626 tokens to be used as collateral on time so uh, something else we are apparently working on is uh, there are many assets that uh, you earn some additional rewards when you stake it in the protocol like it's a case of GLP like when you stake GLP uh, on GMX you earn the additional fees uh, but if you stake it there then you can't currently use it as collateral on time stop right because it's already staked Uh, we're working on a, a solution where users can continue to earn the staking rewards but at the same time use it as collateral also so it becomes the dual functionality of continuing to earn staking rewards you continue to earn the staking powers but you can also earn or let's say collateralize it and leverage against it. So quite excited for this. I would say that's probably one of our main focuses for the next uh, like couple of months. Yeah. I, I love these kind
3: of like exotic collateral options. And and just to confirm what you were saying about uh, Plutus DAO and the PLS ARB token, nobody understood what was going on when they locked their ARB. Um, it, is, it is still like the most discussed asked question in that Discord. I, I frequent that one quite often. And People are still mortified that they blocked all their art, but uh, hilarious. Um, one, one thing I want to ask you, Amit, is how do you plan to attract TVL to TimeSwap? Does TimeSwap have plans for a token? Does it need one? Um, it seems like the platform would benefit from incentivizing liquidity right now, but w- what's your thoughts? Yeah,
0: I think for us, uh, we do understand the market dynamics that for a new protocol like us, Uh, which is obviously not a fork of any existing protocol. So users probably need some initial incentive to uh, maybe cater to that additional perceived risk of a new protocol. Uh, I think for us, uh, like I mentioned earlier, like we have been building this for like now three years. Uh, I think we started before the previous bull market. I think for us, the, the key point is that we see or we have a vision of how we think this thing should work. Uh, I think for us it was getting the product right first and then think of incentivization because many times I've heard this from other founders that uh, they're not sure if the product actually has PMF or are people using it for the rewards so if you not token too early you may actually get confused a product has PMF when actually it doesn't yeah, Right. so I think for us it was really uh, about getting to that stage where we feel okay we have hit real pmf now we can like supercharge this protocol with some incentives on top so uh for us right now i would say uh this specific uh yield bearing tokens which can be used as collateral where you can stake and earn yield is something that we're working on i would say that is our like final frontier for now at least in this phase where uh we think if we can get that also out of the door now we have unlocked potentially the entire use cases that's possible with this current AML. Uh possibly it is feature complete now and it has been live for a good eight to ten months. No issues as such. It has worked perfectly for all kinds of exotic acids. Now it's probably time to let's say supercharge with some incentives. So definitely there's going to be incentives in the future. I think uh uh right now we are planning maybe later this year or maybe early next year but uh, I be for us, the product has to be feature complete where we feel, okay, we are now confident this thing can really scale with volume. So hopefully pretty soon.
1: Amit, if I'm a protocol that wants to enable a lending borrowing market on Time TimeSwap, uh, what would you recommend?
0: Uh, absolutely. I think we are currently just started accepting, uh, let's say, applications from other projects. If I had a couple going live last week. I think the easiest way is just uh tag us on Twitter or DM us on Twitter. Uh our official account works or you can come to Discord. There is like a partnership channel. You can just drop in there. And there is also like a form that's in our Discord if I'm correct. Where you can just fill out the form and our BD team will reach out to you and help you set up the pools on types so, of so it's very, very straightforward. I think uh, you just have to decide like what duration markets you want to create, what liquidity, uh, what kind of, let's say, uh, APR, let's say you want to set up for the pool, and like what kind of collateralization. You can let us know. We can set it up for you, or we can send you the the private URL with which uh, you can yourself create the markets. Uh, This is obviously currently permissioned for specific partner projects only because we want to ensure that uh, the users, at least in its early days, don't get access to, uh, like, Assets and pools that have some weird, let's say, ruggable assets. So, right now it's permission, but eventually it's going to be fully permissionless. So, you do envision that fully
1: permissionless front end? Like, because that Wild West element is very appealing to me. I know how um, dangerous that can be, but it's just like with Uniswap. Like, at this point, I know that there's lots of fake tokens that are trading in there and that there could be. Uh, pools that are set up with the idea of getting you to trade for a token that looks like another like major token but it's not but the the ui the the user experience it becomes smarter and smarter so yeah i i think the uh the downsides or the risks are absolutely worth enabling that permissionless front end
0: yeah i think uh i think uh odd our idea is that we don't want to express our opinions on the technology. You create a permissionless decentralized technology and let the world decide how to use that. You want to build, let's say, I mean, we, we have had this conversation multiple times where why don't you guys have liquidation? I think it's not that we are against liquidations. There are trade offs you make for liquidations. We can actually build liquidations on top of types of. This is also one idea we are currently working on where uh, we can have native liquidations without using Oracle's also. So there is like a pretty unique idea there as well. So yeah, I think uh, for us, the goal is like build foundational infra and let people decide how they want to use it.
1: Amit, any other news or alpha you can share with our listeners?
0: I think uh, for us, like you mentioned, there is uh, yield bearing, like a pretty exhaustive list of assets we are currently targeting. So that's most probably going to come in the next uh, couple of months. And then obviously uh, we do have Uh, or let's say we are working on an incentivization program for all our existing users and future users so hopefully we will be able to share more information on this uh, over the next few months uh, leading up to this but yeah we are quite excited predominantly with unlocking all of these uh, let's say exotic assets, uh, all of these like yield bearing assets and also we are on a cross chain expansion spree right now, we just launched on Mantle the first uh, lending warrant protocol on Mantle network uh, we just spent live on Polygon CKVM and also like I forgot to mention this earlier when the Arbitrum token went live we were the first protocol to accept as collateral like within a couple of hours after the token uh, went live we enabled it as a collateral so yeah I mean I'm just digressing but main point is I think uh, uh, for users is to come try us out I think uh, that's a lot of value for you to unlock and a lot of new things to learn as well and uh hopefully, pretty soon we'll have more exciting news in terms of our, let's say, incentivization programs, and uh, we have a pretty active uh, Discord community, uh, and we also have a dedicated uh, NFT collection, which we have been giving our users, who we call as time travelers, over the last uh, two years, and uh, uh, surprisingly enough, like we just distributed the NFTs for free for all folks who are, uh, like, there are different collections, different styles, with the theme of time traveling, uh, users have been like liking this so much that they've been buying and selling this on open etc. And today it has some 30th volume. Like it is just distributed for free to users. They've bought and sold this all the last couple of years. So yeah, I mean, there is a lot of interesting stuff that's happening in our discord. Come join us. Uh, we have like pride of fun poker and a lot of interesting fun stuff that our community folks. do. So yeah, overall very, very excited for the future. And, uh, Things are looking up, I guess, for the overall industry. So, yep.
1: Um, Well, guys, this is probably a great place for us to wrap up. Amit, uh, thank you so much for walking us through everything TimeSwap related. Uh, I want to remind listeners that they can go to timeswap.io to learn more about the protocol. Uh, They can find the app there at app.timeswap.io. And then also they should follow uh, TimeSwap on Twitter that's at uh, Timeswap uh, Labs. So, yeah, you'll you'll find them there. Uh, Amit, I'll give you the last word. Yeah, anything else, though, you'd recommend for folks to get involved in Timeswap?
0: Yeah, definitely follow Timeswap Intern. I think that's like a more decent version of our account and actually shares most of the alpha comes from the intern account. So don't forget uh, to follow the intern and like ignore you know, the profanity in between where the internship posting.
1: I mean, I think for those that have taken an interest in Pendle, for those who have taken an interest in Plutus, for those who have taken an interest in whatever you want to classify as like Degen Gen on L2s,
0: th- this is a protocol that they should be more interested in. No, I think uh, for us, uh, the goal has always been to create a foundational infrastructure for DeFi to unlock credit for anyone across the ecosystem be it any project any community essentially in line with the core ethos of let's say ethereum of being fully permissionless actually decentralized for anyone to access i think the protocol follows all of the principles and uh i'm quite excited to continue to build in the ecosystem i mean uh just coming back from ECC, met so many builders uh the energy was really infectious so yeah i'm kind of excited to continue to build and uh, yeah definitely like you mentioned come check out the app uh, follow us on twitter tms on discord or like chat in the community and overall it's been a pleasure being here thank you for hosting us I think uh, you guys are doing a fantastic job I think uh, we need uh, let's say more authentic media in DeFi in general so I think I would consider you guys as one of the most authentic so uh, congrats on a great work and happy to be here
1: Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you're a talented founder or developer, please consider reaching out to our team at fourthrevolution.capital. And for future episodes of the Edge podcast, please check out our link tree at edge underscore pod.